Hey guys, and thanks for tuning in to the Original Strength Podcast. We've got a very special two-for-one special today. Uh, I'm with my good friend Chad Faulkner, and he is also recording his podcast called... Yes, folks, Taking the Lid Off is the name of my podcast, so we'll be recording for me as well. So Chad and I are good friends, and we've known each other for a while. We even wrote a book together uh, called Original Strength for the Tactical Athlete, um, and Chad has just started his podcast, too, called Taking the Lid Off. Um, Chad, where do you want to start with this, man? Do you want to talk, to talk about your what Taking the Lid Off is, talk about Tactical Athlete, talk about us? So, uh, so let's go back and forth here. So I'll mention Taking the Lid Off, and for, for your listeners, Taking the Lid Off is my brand new podcast venture that I'm going into to speak to things like leadership and veteran issues. I'm a retired army vet, uh, 20 years in, in the military, um, and all that. So, uh, kind of capitalizing on that and bringing my leadership experience, uh, talking about veteran issues and things like that. And, and trying to kind of focus as well on veteran transition, um, and then fitness as well. And, and the way fitness ties into what I want for my podcast is, uh, career guys, veterans, as they get out, there's some t- statistics that I need to gather up that show uh, guys get out of the military. They've got this good fitness program for their 20 years or however long in the military they get out and they don't always continue it. And uh, there's actually a high obesity rate among uh, career veterans. And so uh, I'm hoping things like original strength and all showing folks uh, some good programs out there we can we can maybe bring something to the veteran community that they can use to or stay in shape that is also very good for you, but low impact. Right on. Um, so when veterans get out and you said there's a higher incidence of uh, obesity and things like that because they're not moving anymore. Um, it's almost like, you know, you ever hear the freshman 15 when people go to college? Yeah. They start yeah. gaining weight in college. It's, it's very similar. I think that happens because they stop moving as much as they were moving when they were in high school. And then you have another tier of they're moving a little bit in college, but then they get out of college and they get a job and they move even less. And then I think that also causes more other issues of more stress, uh, more right. weight, things like that, too. And I guess it's probably pretty stressful for a veteran to get out into the, the real world also. Yeah, I think. You're exactly right. I think stress plays a big part of it um, because we all know stress, belly fat, all that kind of stuff. Um, But as well, you're also talking about if dudes retire. So I was 39 when I retired because I went in when I was 19. So if you do 20 years and get out or any really any amount of time that you stayed in enough to retire, you're also the time you're getting out is also an age where your metabolism starts to slow down and all. So you've got stress, you've got slowing metabolism. You're not you know, in the military, you have to work out. You have to maintain a certain uh, level of fitness. Now you don't have to anymore. And so that self-motivation and self-discipline, I feel like a lot of people probably wake up and they go, eh, I don't have to work out anymore. So they don't. Uh, so, but I think people's vision of working out too in the military, a lot of our workouts are based around, uh, you know, go, go hard till you drop kind of workouts. Uh, and you don't need that. And I don't think a lot of people understand that or, or know that. So that's something that I'd, I'd like to kind of introduce to guys and, you know, things like you've had on your podcast, not just with original strength, but like Dan Johns, uh, easy strength and things like that, I think would be valuable for the veteran community. 
So you were in the military for 20 years. Um, and you said it obviously is very important to stay in shape while you're in the military. Uh, can you like tell some stories like how did your fitness level help you do jobs or like like how did it, how did it tie together for you? Uh, yeah, so that's pretty broad, but I, so you know you had I was I was an infantryman and I was in special operations doing a civil affairs job. Most of my jobs were pretty when you're deployed anyway. And then in training, they're, they're pretty physically demanding. So, you know, having, having a certain level of, of strength and cardio and all that it, uh, basically means you don't die. Like, I mean, you can't, you can't go to places like Afghanistan and carry 100-pound packs around and stuff without having a high level of fitness. Um, but it's, it's physical ability as well as mental ability. And I think through your training – um, you know, you have to have some hardship in there. You have to have a certain level of difficulty in there so that you do test yourself mentally as well. Cause you got to know how, how much you can do, how far you can go. Um, but my training, you know, looking back, my, my training was not great, but it worked. So I, I didn't have the knowledge that I have now. Um, but I, I just wish I wish I could go go back in some cases. We did a lot of running, a lot of carrying rucksacks, ruck walking, road marching, however you want to phrase that. And uh push-ups, sit-ups. I did I was never I have never been a gym guy. If you see me without my shirt on, that's kind of obvious. I'm I'm not uh Jay Cutler or anything, you know. So I've never been that guy. I've tried to be that guy. It just doesn't my metabolism, the way I'm built, it just doesn't work for me. So a large amount of running, a little weights here and there, um, and then just function. I've always done functional workouts. Before CrossFit was a thing, we did CrossFit. We just called it circuit training, um, things that elevate your heart rate and, and test you. Um, and, it, and it just, I don't know, it translated. I, I, had, I usually had one of the fittest squads. So whatever we were doing, we were working. But to say I had a methodology would be lying. To put right. it lightly. Well, I'm, okay, so you said, you mentioned, this is interesting, you said you think you need to test yourself to know what you're capable of. Um, can you give some examples of that? Yeah, so um, I've always been skinny guy, for lack of a better term. I've never been a big muscle guy. So for me, testing myself meant, uh, you know, we would do runs and stuff, and a lot of times we would stop and do things like buddy carries. You know, we would, we would do long runs, four or five mile runs, and just periodically stop and do stuff, run, run hill sprints or whatever in the middle of those runs and, uh, do things like buddy carries, like I said, and I would pick the biggest guy, you know, or one of the biggest guys and I would carry him up the hill. And that was really twofold. That was a leadership thing. And it was a test thing because I wanted to show guys like, all right, I'll pick up the biggest guy and go. So, so you need to uh, have that same mentality. And, uh, I just always wanted to push myself, harder you know and 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 test myself it you inside your own head is where you can live or die i mean you if if you can't i i used to tell people you could take arnold schwarzenegger and just bear with me on the analogy because i know he's a mentally tough dude but you could take a guy built like arnold schwarzenegger and when it comes to doing something like a 12 mile road march in three hours which was one of our big standards 
you can have all that level of physical fitness in the world, but if you don't have the mental fitness, you're not going to make it because it, it takes that to, to, to get through things like that. There's some tasks that go so far, it doesn't matter how in shape you are, if you're not mentally fit, you're not going to make it, if that well, makes sense. If you're not mentally fit, though, can you really be in shape? Like, cause to me, the body is going to follow the mind and if the mind is, is lacking, the body's probably going to be lacking as well. That's true. That's, that's very true. I think some people, you know, for some people it just comes easier. The fitness part. I mean, we've all known those people that the fitness part comes easier. So I think, uh, that maybe hurts them in the mental department a little bit because they don't have to try as hard maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I, I you just. You have to be mentally fit, but you're right. It, it follows one another. How did, you, you mentioned something too, that was pretty interesting. And I don't know if you can tie it together, but is it, it sounded like that you were almost using fitness as leadership or as an example of leadership as well. Absolutely. Uh, you know, <clears throat> the military thing is to say, lead from the front, that kind of thing, set the example, lead by example. Um, so yeah, you always, it's funny. So I learned, you know, in original strength, breathing is one of the core things, right? It's right. one of the main resets and everything. And that diaphragmatic breathing. I was doing diaphragmatic breathing after runs without knowing what I was doing, really. And But the reason why I was doing it is because I could calm my heart rate much faster. Because for me, I and the guys that that were in my there's going to be some guys that were in my squad and have worked for me that are going to listen to this and they're going to laugh during this part but it was always my goal to run run everybody hard and then at the end I'm not dying if that makes sense I'm I learned to control my breathing and change my breathing to a point where I could calm down and not be just been over dying whatever even though some of them were it was always my goal to still be composed which is also a kind of a facet of of being in combat you've got to be able to exert yourself physically get to the objective and still be able to uh, do the things tactically that you need to do without dying physically have you seen so speaking of tactically have you seen people make judgment errors or just big i guess big mistakes because they weren't physically fit or because they could not manage their breathing um in in tough situations i have seen people have to get evacuated before they could even get to the objective because they were not in shape or the or or not in the shape that they need to be which included cardio breathing that kind of thing Okay. So that brings me to my next question. Well, it's not a question really. Well, it is. Um, so you and I wrote a book called Original Strength for the Tactical Athlete. Um, what, because now this is your world, what is a, a tactical athlete? So a, a tactical athlete is someone that has to be able to be physically fit enough um, to accomplish an objective, that's not the way I wrote it in the book. I don't remember exactly what I wrote in the book, but uh, like I said, it's a person that that is physically fit enough to accomplish tough tactical objectives uh, without the physical strain overcoming them. If that makes sense. Right. Okay. Um, and I guess 
so a tactical athlete is not just necessarily um, only in the military, but they could be a police officer, a firefighter, EMS, or anybody really that's using their body to serve others. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, so as a, as a tactical athlete, or how, okay, so because most readers probably, most readers, most listeners probably haven't read this book, um, what are some of the ways that you can train to become a better tactical athlete? Well, so I, as I'm, as I'm growing and learning and, and learning stuff from you as well and the original strength community, I'm, I'm learning there are in the past, I would have trained to be a tactical athlete with a lot of workouts where at the end you're absolutely dead. You're leaving the sweat angel on the floor, that kind of stuff. Um, but now what I'm learning more about training strength and everything is you don't need to do that. Um, so I would take more approaches. Uh, such as original strength resets, the things like are in the tat- the original strength for the tactical athlete book, um, crawling, dragging chains, all those kinds of things. I would take more lighter workouts where you still have something left in the bag at the end. But I would also, um, as long as I wasn't deployed on a mission, I would also have at least one to two workouts out a week where you are just physically exhausted at the end because again I, I i think you still need to regularly push yourself to a level that you know you're capable and you and you can realize where your where your breaking point is um you know i i think you i think you have to do that you have to know where mentally uh you're going to get to your breaking point and then how do you get past that what what is going to trigger in your head to get past that okay so on that vein, what's the toughest mental challenge you've you you've overcome, or you 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 met, or that you pushed yourself with? I uh, I would say so. I'm gonna have two. I'm gonna start with I'm gonna start with just about any time in the mountains of Afghanistan, uh, having to carry heavy packs, and my first trip to Afghanistan, which would have been 2003 ish. And, and us walking and we, we did a lot of walking there and uh, the altitude was a factor the weight was a factor and you can't stop there is no rest you know we rest at night in a patrol base but uh, when you're doing business during the day and this wasn't even firefights necessarily this is just walking searching villages and whatnot um, the second one would be the mile crawl the mile crawl yeah, the so mile what crawl. Hard, what was hard about that? What was what was what was the mental challenge with that? So so let's so let's back up a second. And the mile crawl comes from my good friend Tim Anderson doing the mile crawl twice. And I've always had this relationship with Tim with you that uh, Tim's full time job became fitness. Mine was not, but I still wanted to keep up with Tim. Uh, it was a way to push myself and challenge myself. And uh, I followed this crazy guy on the journey. And you did the mile crawl twice, and I thought, surely I can do that. And then I, and then we had the idea for the book, and that came about. And I was like, man, I need to do that. And I think it would be a great experience for the book. 
And so part of the challenge in the mile crawl for me was that I did not train. I did not finish my training. I was training for a certain amount of time and I trained uh, up to a half mile. The only thing I had done was a half mile without stopping. And beyond that, I had only done maybe three quarters of a mile because I do a half mile and then I do about another quarter of a mile. But I would have breaks in there. And the that crawl was so hard because my body or my brain, I'm looking at the ground and for that amount of time. And my, my brain was just saying, this sucks. Stand up. Like, just stand up. There were times in my training when I would stand up and shake it out. And I would be like, why did I just stand up? I don't know why I just stood up. But that was how powerful my brain was like, dude, don't do this, man. This is this this is not fun. Don't do it. Uh, so so mentally that was it, it was a challenge. It was a challenge. I get that. Um, yeah, that whole it's a long time to be crawling, though. I mean, to be honest, that's and, yeah. And in and, and time aside, there's such a difference between crawling for time and then crawling for distance. Like those are almost completely different worlds. Yes. From my experience anyway, um, because I had, I had not, I was not prepared for how long a mile was <laughs> when I, the first time I did it. Um, because I, I only, all I knew was time. I had not really measured distance before, you know, so that was, that was, that was mentally a, a hurdle for me as well. Yeah, it it was, it was a challenge. And, uh, to get into the faith thing a little bit, I, that was God was on my side because uh, there's no other explanation because I literally I used the phrase that I really like. And I said, I'm going to let go and let God because I just wanted to get the mile crawl done with. I was so tired of training for it and everything. I was like, let's just get this done. And I wanted to get it done so I could experience it and write about it. Uh, and I, And I just decided one night. I said uh, I'd actually crack my phone screen that night because the picture I took of my watch with the mile and everything to show the distance and time I was with a cracked phone. And and I, I just remember I said, you know what, I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to put my headphones on and I'm just going to let go and let God and just see what happens. And I'm going to go for it. And I knew I was good because I just started crawling. I knew my route. I was just going to go. And I went and I looked at my watch and I was at like, I said in the book, I can't remember. I was like 0.67 or 0.76. Anyway, the first time I even looked at my watch to see the distance I was at, I was already further than I had ever crawled without stopping during my training. So I was like, you got me, God, let's do this. So, so you, I, here's a silly question. Did your headphones work when you put them on? Yeah, I know your story. And, uh, yeah, my headphones did work. <laughs> That's a whole other mental level right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Which, so tie that. So let's tie that back to the tactical athlete thing. When I, when I was in the military and training, I see dudes training with headphones and stuff. I never wore headphones when I, for this, I did like, as you know, my last couple of years, I started wearing headphones when I would do some training. Um, but forever, I I never wore headphones because for me, my mind was in combat. There's not going to be any music in my ears to help keep me motivated. So it's just gotta be me and it's just gotta, I've got to do it. And, and I can't rely on, uh, you know, 
Metallica or whoever to pump me along of uh, those those challenges. So it's just got to be me in my own head. And so I I wouldn't wear headphones. Um, later on, I started that, and and I do now. But I'm kind of past that point too, where I don't the mental challenge for me. I don't really need it anymore, other than just making sure I still got it, you know, because I've already been there. Well, that's that's the the interesting thing about pushing yourself like that is is once you walk through the door and you have that knowledge that you've done it, everything after that is just easier. Like, like for instance, um, you can do something really hard after you've done it the first time, and you may not touch it again for a year, but you have that knowledge walking into it that well, I've already done this once. And that does that does help you uh, along as far as doing it again. You have that knowledge, or you could say you have that perspective. Yeah, sure. Because well, you know how difficult it is, and when you look at other stuff, you've got the perspective of this ain't that bad. Right. So, and that that goes a whole that I, I know you know I got that saying like I I just want to well one I want to feel good, so it feels good to feel good, but I also want to be able to make the hard things easy. Once you make the really hard thing, you know, once you've done it, then the perspective does change where other stuff does just get easy. Yeah. And and that ties in that whole perspective thing that that ties into veterans and why why some veterans struggle in civilian life is because they have a the guys that have and, and veterans are not better than anybody. Don't get me wrong here. Like, but the struggles that a lot of veterans have gone through are more difficult than what most civilians will go through in some, in some way, you know, I got it, financial struggles, all that kind of stuff, but the struggles of, of combat and all the different things that come with that and deployments and whatnot, uh, veterans just tend to have, uh, a perspective on things that is difficult sometimes for civilians to understand the things that our civilian friends will complain about and all we're just like, yeah, no big deal because we have had other struggles. So, you know, that, that's just one of those things that guys, guys deal with, but it's, it just goes back to perspective. Well, and that, I mean, that's almost everything, right? Because your perceptions, your reality. <laughs> so, right. I mean, it is shaped so much. Um, so after, uh, after you crawled the mile, did that change anything for you? Like did, like did, did angels start singing and like, did the rest of your life just like, did, did anything come from that? Uh, yeah, I didn't want to crawl anymore. No, no, well, that's pretty much I, not that I didn't, that not that I didn't want to crawl anymore at all, but I definitely wanted a break after that. But no, it, it just, it, it, nothing really changed. I mean, I, I knew, you know, I already had faith in everything, but it just showed me, man. It was like, dude, walk by faith, you know? let go and let God and and it'll work out. You know, it, it's, I mean, uh, I mean, you can't, you can't explain That's a, and we've talked about this offline, not on here, but how there's, there's other people that have tried the mile crawl and we think maybe one or two people have done it maybe. Uh, but, maybe. but there's other people that have tried it and not been able to do it. And me anyway, I don't think there's anything special about me. Um, and, and I did it with fairly with ease. So, it's not like, it's, I don't know, in my mind, it's not this amazing feat. To some people it is, I guess, but uh, you really, faith faith played big in that, man. I, I just, I, I believe it. I believe it did. So just to give everybody, if you're listening, perspective, when we talk, I know a mile's a long ways. Um, 
I mean, because it's a mile, 5,280 feet. So, but when we're talking about crawling a mile, we're talking about a specific way of crawling. So it's on your hands and feet with your butt down below your head. And what that does is it keeps, well, it makes all your muscles in your center always on the hook. There's no escape from it. Um, and we're also talking about not stopping. So once you start, your knees stay off the ground until the mile is crawled. Um, so that in itself, and I don't know if you've ever done that, but even doing that for one minute for most people is that's a good job but it takes much more than one minute to crawl a mile. how long did it take you to crawl your your mile I, uh i think we were both in the 40s i think mine was 45 48 somewhere in there oh that's that's really good that's that's phenomenal yeah my very first time i was like 53 and then the second time was 44 um the first time was just testing the water, so I really, I really didn't want to do it again, though, to be honest. Yeah, no, I, I didn't either, because I actually, uh, of course, I wanted to be your time, uh, and Almost. I did not. <laughs> I, I did not, but I was like, once I was in, you know, kind of the fact that I, I went for it without fully training for it, um, or what I, I felt like was fully training for it, uh, you know, I was like, eh, the time is what it is, like, the goal is the mile and the time is what it is. Just finish. And even if it took two hours, it's amazing. It's a miracle. Um, yeah, no, I have to like you. And like you said, hands and feet, butt down, uh, and not stopping at all. Uh, the caveat being in original strength, we usually teach keeping your head up. Um, I did not keep my head up the whole time, uh, to have your neck and flexion, for that amount of time and all I, yeah, the head was not up, but the butt was below the head. I will say that because I felt every bit of that. Uh, the, that little appendage on the end of your neck or your neck, yeah, it gets heavy. <laughs> yeah. You're, yeah. And you know, after 10 minutes, it's, it's, it's on, it's heavy. It's like, well, you know, crawling around with a watermelon up on top of your, your neck there. Um, so, I, I want to ask you this too, because we were talking about the, the tactical athlete, but you did some really pretty cool, I thought it was fascinating um, trials in that book where you would take original strength or pressing reset out onto the firing range. Um, and you, yeah. were, you were trying to like test your, what were you, were you testing your accuracy, reaction time, all of that? What were you doing with that? So that's something that I've thought about. If if I was to rewrite the book today, um, that part would be different, and I would probably take more time with it and get more data. But basically, um, what I was doing was doing taking the resets and 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 doing them on the range. So I would do some some cross crawls, some breathing, all those sorts of things. And uh, waking my body up. And I think that's really all it was. Basically, the test that I did for those listening was kind of went out and I shot a drill. I did some resets, shot the drill again, and my, my times were better. Um, I think really it was just a matter of the resets, waking my body up, waking my brain up, all those kinds of things. Um, but but that applies, too. I'm not trying to downplay the valuableness of it. But, uh, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of what that was. Uh, I mean, I thought it was neat because you were doing things like drawing dots on your gloves and, you know. I yeah. So I, when I would the, so the dots on the glove thing was when I was crawling, um, I was tracking the dots and I was I was trying to um, 
kind of train it was it was a hand-eye coordination thing and i was trying to see you know would that help could i see a market improvement in shot presentation things like that and and i did uh you know very unscientific so could i sit here and say yeah that was the absolute cause that i got faster or more accurate or whatever i can't say that really but in a non-very or a non-scientific uh, uh, experiment, uh, it worked for me. Right on. Um, so for taking the lid off, how are you? Are you? Are you working to put together? Um, like, how are you helping veterans? Uh, like, are you helping? Like, are you putting exercise programs together? Are you like? Are you putting leadership programs together for them? What are you doing with that? I haven't. I haven't gone that far yet with any programs. Um, from the fitness perspective, kind of like I said earlier, I just want to bring I want to bring veterans a different take on fitness. Fitness, I think, is kind of my goal. Um, to be honest, and this is not an insult, but a lot of a lot of military guys get their workouts out of Muscle and Fitness magazines. You know what I mean? We're still doing bench presses. We're worried about how heavy our squat is. You know, all those kinds of things. And some, and those are not bad things. But uh, the other side of that is, you know, we put a lot of abuse on our bodies. And some of that stuff is just not good for you uh, along with the other things that we do. Like I jumped out of airplanes for 20 years and I, that put a lot of abuse on my body. So there's certain things like, you know, we've had conversations. I can't do deadlift workouts. Um, I can do deadlifts. Can't do deadlift workouts. Um, just that constant hinging motion and, and that, and, and, you know, heavy weights are not good for me. And I'm just one of hundreds of thousands of veterans that are, that are in that same boat. And so I want to bring, I want to bring a methodology of working out to, to folks that is going to keep them strong, keep them in shape, keep them able, most importantly, uh, but not be hard. You know, so things like the original strength resets. Uh, I don't know if you want to go into what those are or not for my listeners as well. But actually, yeah, I want you to, I want you to just give us a little rundown of the resets for, for my listeners, Tim. So the resets are just really they're, they're movements that are in everybody's nervous system. They're, and everybody has done these movements before when they were children. Um, we all are born with a developmental sequence that pretty much ties our bodies together as we develop. So it's a series of reflexes and movements and movement patterns that we grow and develop through. Well, even if you're 99 years old, you still have the same nervous system you were born with and you still have those patterns inside that nervous system. So when we say pressing reset, all we're talking about is revisiting those movement patterns. And it might be as simple as crawling on your hands and knees, learning how to breathe with your diaphragm, um, learning how to move your eyes and your head as they're designed to be moved. And all of all those movements do is they strengthen your nervous system and they tell your nervous system that they give it one, they give your nervous system good information about what your body's doing and where everything's at. It reminds your brain where of those patterns and what muscles are supposed to be doing what, but it also makes your nervous system feel safe so that it will allow you to move. And in doing so, it, it improves mobility, uh, range of motion, which is mobility, uh, strength, speed, power, balance. Uh, basically, if we move the way we're designed, our body actually will allow us to live a good, healthy, and strong life. And that's the design. Yeah. So, so for my listeners, that's your general original strength rundown. Uh, and we'll go over 
here towards the end how to and i'll put in the show notes how to get more information on original strength but you know you and i've had these conversations it's just original strength to and this is why kind of why we wrote the book was trying to sell a program like original strength to a tactical military whatever the case alpha basically alpha male community that is set on things like a bench press and whatnot versus the mobility side of things and things that that can really make them strong it's just not sexy you know uh, crawling is not sexy for lack of a better term and so getting guys to take hold to something like original strength that at times can be difficult depending on their mindset and their knowledge towards fitness no i agree um and well and it's 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 just it's just the culture of fitness, um, and there's waves of it. But like most most guys that I know, and they're between what forty to seventy, all they know is bodybuilding type stuff. I mean, that's what has been, right. it's been memorized. It's been you know that's that's what's made fun and exciting. But I I I just think there's a better way. Um, there's a better design. Like I don't know that we're designed to be doing bench press. But I do know that we're designed to walk, to throw, to get up off the ground, to run and, you know, to climb and do stuff like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I've I've been doing the original strength stuff, obviously, for for years and years. I was doing it. I think you uh, I think you sent me a video of cross crawls back in like 2010. I think I was in Kuwait having back issues maybe or something. And you sent me a video. You were trying to explain to me here, do this. And I was like, uh, what? And, and so you sent me a, a, a quick video. And uh, so, yeah, I've, I've been doing this stuff way back since before it was original strength. And, and it's benefited me, guys. I mean, it's, you know, uh, I've got joint issues out the wazoo i've got a i've got a disability rating for about every joint in my major joint in my body uh from the va and so and that doesn't come from me just making stuff up that's x-rays and whatnot so i've, I've got some issues but i think original strength has really allowed me uh to continue to do what i do and to continue to do the kind of workouts i want to continue to kind of live the kind of life i want to live um you know i i've you know, it just pays dividends, but it's it's getting it to the people that need it. And so to go back to your, your question, yeah, this this is the kind of stuff. And then things like I mentioned, like Dan John's uh, uh, easy strength, you know, we're talking about five exercises, 10 reps, two sets of five, that kind of thing. Guys look at that or folks look at that normally and are like, what? Like, that's that's not a workout, but it is. And so- it works. Yeah, it does work. And so you don't have to, you don't have to tear the body down to keep, to, to keep it strong. Matter of fact, if you always tear the body down, you'll probably weaken it. Um, but if it's like, it's almost like economics. If you give it just enough, you have, you have good results, but too much of a good thing, you have diminishing margin of returns. And then the results go the other way or the way you don't want them to. Um, but being strong and healthy does not have to be hard. Right. The caveat here coming from me, if you're listening to my fitness advice or my workout advice, is that I'm not going to give you anything that is going to be aesthetically driven. So I'm not going to give you anything that's going to help make your biceps and tries bigger, your chest bigger, your abs show, which is nutrition more than working out anyway. But I, I'm not 
that's not the way I roll. And I've, I haven't rolled that way since I was like my low twenties. Um, my goal with fitness has never been, uh, looks it's, it's really been more based on your career in life. What do you need to be able to do to be good at your job and what you need to be able to do to live? So just saying, no, I, I, that's, that's really what fitness is though. It's allowing you to live the life that you're supposed to live and want to live. It's not necessarily about big, if you want, if you want big muscles, great, but that doesn't mean you're necessarily fit. That just means it can, for some people can mean they just have big muscles. Um, but it doesn't help them check the mailbox any easier than it does for somebody that's just tied together really well that maybe doesn't have big muscles. Yeah. So Tim, I feel like we're being too serious on this. Okay. Tim and I are not normally serious for very long. We do have some very serious conversations. We do. Sure. I feel like we're being a little too serious here. So I'm, I'm going to reroute us if that's all right, a little bit. Sure. I'm 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 making, I'm I'm making you nervous right now. I am nervous. I'm nervous. Okay. So Tim and I, Tim and I met many moons ago. Uh, it was, I can't remember what year it was, but it was, I went and did the whole battling ropes certification with John Brookfield and there was all these kettlebell people there. And that was the main reason I went to this battle rope certification was because John had told me he was going to have a bunch of kettlebell people there. And I wanted to learn more about kettlebells, mainly because I was going to a CrossFit gym at that time and I was beating the crap out of myself doing snatches with kettlebells and nobody could teach me how to do them properly. So I wanted to meet some folks and I went there and I met Tim. I think it was really just a matter of Tim was the closest to me being able to go to and train. Tim and I trained kettlebells for, I don't know, several years, I think, a few years. Original strength comes along. So I've known Tim for, for a good bit. And we've kept in touch pretty regular throughout the time, I would say. Tim, Tim's a bit of a superhero fan. See his mug? I think he did that on purpose. Actually, um, your little weird, your little weird blur thing that you like is kind of hiding the mug. But he's got a Superman mug there. And if you notice, he's wearing some glasses to make himself look like Clark Kent. Um, Sorry. <laughs> And he will say that you've never seen him and Superman in the same room. But anyway, so Tim, let let's hear about your uh, superhero affinity. What? Why are you so uh, so into superheroes? Because well, that's that's a hard question. But I, mean, I I love them because we're all. I I'm, I've always been drawn to them since I was three years old. Um, always running. You remember Underoos? Did you ever have Underoos, Chad? The little underwear and the T-shirt. I, I'm pretty sure I probably did. I definitely have some He-Man sheets upstairs right now that I still have. Oh, He-Man, that's vintage. But uh, so yeah, I but but from the time I was three or four years old, I've always wanted to be be Superman. Um, and once in a while, I had a little, you know, I like Batman, but I went through a phase. But I always resonated with Superman. And I realized, you know, in my mid to late 30s, that I still wanted to be Superman. There, there was obviously something wrong with me. Um, and so, but now I've just realized that, no, I'm supposed to want to be Superman and all of us are like, I, I think we were all created to be supernatural and not just, you know, live ordinary lives, but that's why all of our stories are so, I mean, all of our stories, look, look at the most popular movies that are out today. Look at, and in Star Wars and, and the Lord of the Rings. And I mean, all those wonderful stories, they're all about heroes, but they're really all about us. 
Does that answer your question? I just like, I like superheroes because I like people like me. Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> so are you saying you're a superhero, Tim? Well, I am saying that, yes, I have come to honestly, sure, uh, because I believe that's what I'm supposed to be. Yeah. If I'm following the example I, that has been given to me throughout the centuries, yes, I, I am a superhero. Well, I just want to say, since we're three days away from Valentine's Day, I'd just like to tell you that you're my superhero. Oh, that's sweet, Chad. You're See, welcome. You, you always have that hard exterior, but on the inside, you're like a gummy bear. It's great. You know, you know, man, you know me. Yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying. And, and you could really take. I, you and I talk a lot about the Marvel universe and those characters because those movies are, are just awesome. I'm, I'm a big superhero fan as well, people. Um, but uh, I think we can draw so much from those characters and see a lot of them in ourselves. Um, and it doesn't mean, you know, you're shooting lasers out of your eyes or you're going to fly or anything like that. But, I mean, just the character traits, I think, are, are yeah. kind of some of the bigger things. So the, the, the desire to help someone or the desire to make a wrong right or, you know, to make somebody's day better, um, to pick somebody up when they've fallen. I mean, all of those things, those are superhero characteristics for sure. Yeah. So like we're talking with, with fitness and the mental fitness piece, you know, you look at uh, like the, the latest Spider-Man series, I guess, the, the first of the latest Spider-Man was it Homecoming? Was that what it yes. was called? And seeing towards the end where that building collapses on him when he's a dude. I, I don't remember what the bad dude's name was. Um, but he's fighting that guy and he, he essentially collapses the building on him. And he's sitting there and, and he's he's trying to push up out from under this rubble. And he really has to gather himself and believe that he can do it. I mean, there's, there's a lot of lessons there. Um, you know, and, and well, to back up. You know, when Tony Stark comes to him and, and you know, and he's going to take the suit away from him and, and Spider-Man says, I'm nothing without the suit. And Tony says, well, if you're nothing without the suit, then you don't deserve it. That's right. That's What's huge. On the man. Inside, man. There, there are so many lessons. Like I could talk all day about this. Like to me, like the movie Winter Soldier, full of lessons. <laughs> yes. Civil War, full of lessons. Yeah. The absolutely. movie Captain America, Civil War. Yes, the, yeah, that that one, that was a great movie, by the way. Yeah, yeah, not the old tool. Yeah, so there's a lot of lessons there. I think that there's there's a ton there's a ton to draw draw from there. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to hear I wanted to hear your Superman or superhero explanation. And Tim may or may not have a superhero tattoo on his body. Yeah, but so the thing with that is, I told you I realized in my 30s that I still that there's obviously something wrong with me. Um, but even my wife says, like, man, if you like Superman that much, why don't you just go ahead and get a tattoo? I mean, I was I was like I was in my 30s. Oh, here's the cool. I'll, here's a crazy. Here's a cool story. I at, at my 30s, I thought I knew that if I got the tattoo, that you know how tattoos age as you age, and they don't always look as as good as when you first got them, like 50 years later. Right. Um, you know, and you see some people like, oh, man, you really should have thought about that tattoo because it doesn't look like it just because you the people's bodies change in the sun and all the time. Time happens to the tattoo. So I thought, you know what? I want the Superman symbol, but I want to get it. I'll do it instead of steel. I'll do it in stone where it has cracks and like weathering on it so that it looks like it has aged mm -hmm. as I age. Well, what I did not anticipate is that my Superman stone tattoo would turn into steel. All those cracks and everything have gone away, and it looks like a polished S. 
So I was like, well, how about that? <laughs> so it corrected my thinking, actually, is, is what happened. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't have any tattoos. So I'm kind of the I'm the oddity as a veteran. I don't have all the uh, tattoos like a lot of guys. I don't feel the need to wear a beard around and show my tattoos and whatnot to make people think I was some kind of tactical operator or or whatever the case may be. So I'll probably get some hate for that one. <laughs> Well, no, and I mean, I uh, I only show my tattoo if there's a cat stuck in a tree. I don't, you know, I don't like pull it out for everybody. So I get you, I get <laughs> you. Every now, every now and then, you gotta come out of the phone booth, right? That's right. Uh, what are, what what's the phone booth? <laughs> what are those? That's true. That's true. We just dated ourselves talking about a phone booth. I think. Yeah. Now, if you're coming out of anything, it's right here. Yeah. No. No kidding. So what else we got, Tim? Uh, oh, I got a question for you because you're talking about deadlifting. If you could pick three exercises, weight exercises that you thought would like be the most helpful to a veteran or anybody listening, really, what what would those be? Uh, so the king would be the Turkish get up. Okay. Um, Turkish get up, get up, whatever you want to call it. Um, simply laying down flat on the floor and getting up to standing and repeating over and over. And that is either with a kettlebell, with a sandbag, with nothing. Um, it's valuable. I've done it. I mean, you and I both have done it a multitude of ways. And I, th I think th to me, the Turkish get up is, is kind of king for that. And we talked about that a little bit. Like, I think, you know, as you get older and people get scared of getting down on the floor and all that, especially because you way up in age, I think if you continue to do things like that, you're never going to get there. You're never going to get to that point where you're scared to get up and down. Um, so it, it would be Turkish get up. Um, I would say just walking. Uh, and in the same manner, walking with nothing or walking with weight, carrying weight. That kind of thing, I, I think, is also very valuable if you're doing your diaphragm, diaphragmatic breathing and all that kind of stuff, I think. Um, Got a third one? Those are, those are strong. The, uh, the, third, I, the third one is kind of hard to say. I, I want to lean towards um, something like a pull-up just because in the, in the same manner that you're – getting up off the ground and you're just walking i also think you need to be able to pull yourself up and have that pulling strength i can uh, see that i i you know i talked with alex salkin about this uh, um, about hanging and doing pull-ups and stuff like that i do think so the reason well the ground the number one fear of people as they get older is falling because if they fall either they hurt something they break something or they can't get up um, but like you said, if you're comfortable getting up on, you know, up and down from the floor, that's not an issue because the body, if you invest in it, it'll give you a good return. Um, but gravity is, is one of those things where we don't just push against it, but we can pull away from it. So having the ability to also pull yourself up from the ground, if you had to, yes. that, would be, that would be priceless. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. have options because the more options we have, the better off we are. So if we can push ourselves up from the ground, great. If we can pull ourselves up from the ground, great. And I do think those are very good combinations for sure. Yeah, and and those exercises too for for people to understand, like the get up. You 
in the original something i've learned from original strength and just the people in the original strength community is how you can vary exercises how you can take a something like a get up and change it to fit whatever you need so uh get ups do them without your arms just get up off the ground without using your arms um which may be difficult for somebody and if you, if that is too difficult for you okay start where you are and go where you can but uh, pull-ups, do them slower, do them weighted, you know, uh, do them off the floor, find a low something that you can pull up onto. That's a pull-up. Uh, you know, all, all, all those different variations that you can do to make something either easier or more difficult or an original strength to what we call your progressions and regressions. And, um, you know, you, you can just vary those exercises so much to make them so valuable. Uh, versus, you know, people, people tend to think a pull up, oh, well, I just grab a bar and I pull up, you know, break it down more than that. Well, yeah. And it doesn't have to be like, I mean, if like, cause we all have different abilities and, and pulling up, pulling your own body weight up in the air and like doing a chin up or a pull up that takes an appreciable amount of strength. Um, and if you haven't done that in 30 years, that might seem like a pipe dream, but just pulling in general, like you said, you can maybe even keep your feet on the floor or hang, you know, where it's like half your body weight. But just getting used to pulling is is invaluable because pulling is one of those human movements that we do less and less and less of um, because of just our society, our technology and the way things have gone. But it's still a very valuable human movement. And we we should probably spend a lot more time pulling than than we do. Yeah, technology is a is a killer of movement. It I is. Mean, it, I mean, it's, it, it's got it its blessings, is. but it's also got its uh, curses with it as well, for sure. Yeah, it's like we talk about, uh, or what I've talked about when teaching original strength is talking about how we move less. You know, one of the main things that I bring up that everybody, most everybody can relate to. If you've got any kind of modern vehicle, you've got a backup camera. So you don't even have to do this. So you don't even move your neck as much. So the things like the resets and original strength where you're doing your your neck nods, your neck control stuff. I mean, that's huge because we just, like I said, technology is a movement killer and we just don't move as much. No, and and listen, I and I know I, I've written several articles about technology taking away our movement patterns and stuff. But, I, dude, I love technology. I think it's fantastic. I, I wouldn't trade it. I just oh, think yeah. We need to be mindful of of how we're actually designed to be, though, so that we can enjoy. We, if we move the way we're supposed to, we could enjoy technology even better. <laughs> so that's all. Yeah, I'm right. yeah. Oh, don't don't get me wrong. I love I love the fact that I don't have to get up and go get the remote because I've got an Apple TV. I can just <laughs> use my iPhone and pull the remote up on it, and I can change the channel or whatever. Man, don't get me wrong. When I say it's a killer, oh, I'm part of the problem, but. <laughs> But uh, but but that is why I believe in things like original strength and all and, and the movement systems that are out there. Uh, obviously, we want you to do original strength. But I think that's why a lot of mobility and movement systems are becoming more popular. We're seeing the need for it and we start to move less. Well, you know, like ever since the movie Wally came out and Disney is always ahead of its time. But I mean, the, the need to move more and more is is it is growing day by day um but that's that's a it's a choice right so i mean we all have to we can choose to not move or and and enjoy the fruits of technology or we can choose to move and and 
be so much better off. So, um, so let, let's, let's get back to, uh, we'll just kind of work on closing out then if, if you're, if you're ready for that, I think we're, we're sitting at about an hour here. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Or not an hour. So we, um, a little under an hour. So I, I want to go back to, um, and kind of talk about, so you've got the original strength podcast and I want my listeners to, um, understand that I, Look, the fitness things that we've talked about and I want to bring to veterans, uh, I'd love for you to go over and go check out Tim's original strength. But it's on iTunes. It's considered original strength podcast, right? I think so. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you should be able to search that and it, it would pop up for sure. Yeah. So if you look original strength, you're going to find it or you'll find a bunch of interviews with Tim. I would encourage my folks to go and uh, and take a look, listen hear about the original strength resets, hear about pressing reset, um, the movement portion of it. Uh, that's what I want to bring to the veteran community. And uh, it's on YouTube as well. Obviously, we're, we're filming here today also. So, so you're going to find all this on YouTube. But go check it out. It's out of the box. It's not as sexy as the stuff you've seen before. But just trust me, it works. Have some faith. And uh, go check it out. And as well, get on Amazon, look up Tim Anderson, look up Original Strength, and you'll find the Pressing Reset books there. You'll find the multitude of other books. Original Strength Performance is another great book as well. It kind of gets more into the area of what uh, tactical, tactical athlete type folks will enjoy, as well as Original Strength for the Tactical Athlete that Tim and I wrote. Um, but go check that stuff out and do yourself a favor and, and learn more about the mobility and, and the original strength uh, resets. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. Um, and guys, too, if you are in the military or you know someone um, that's in the military and getting out, and also if you're EMS, fire, police, uh, also check out. I think they could benefit, too, especially all from the OS tactical athlete standpoint, but also from from the leadership information that, that you give out as well. Yeah, so I'm I'm hoping to I'm hoping to get uh, entrepreneurs, CEOs, whoever that's interested in leadership stuff. There's there's starting to be more veterans getting into the leadership space. Um, so helping them understand, like, look, guys like myself, a lot of folks out there, I I I became a leader at the age of like 21 and was a leader in some capacity throughout the rest of my career. So, you know, I, I'm I've really got now going on, you know maybe 20 years of leadership experience. So, uh, we, and, and it all translate leadership is leadership and it's taking care of people serving leadership. All those things translate to the civilian space. Um, so I, I'd love for, uh, for folks to share and go back for a second name real quick. So I have an introduction episode. If you want to go back and listen to that, you can, but real quick on the name, uh, I've been wanting to do a podcast for a while and I didn't know what the name was going to be. And I was kind of waiting for it to be brought to me, just having a little faith that it would come to me. And it was kind of funny. I'm sitting in the theater watching Rambo Last Blood. And there's a point on there where he's kind of mentoring his niece. And she wants to go down to Mexico and visit this friend who is not the best person ever as far as he remembers. And... Denise tries to say uh, she's changed. Rambo says people don't change. And she says, well, I've heard the stories about you, John Rambo, and, and I know that you changed. And he said, no, I didn't change. I'm just trying to keep a lid on it every day. 
And when I heard that, it just hit. It just hit, and I knew. And so obviously I wasn't going to call the podcast keeping a lid on it. Uh, so for the theme of the podcast and everything, we're taking the lid off. And that's kind of the what. Because it's very relatable for guys like myself and veterans keeping the lid on it. Um, not to say we're psycho, we don't all have PTSD, not that kind of thing. It's just a keeping the lid on it. Um, and taking the lid off is what the podcast is going to be about and talking about some of the veteran issues and different things and our experiences and leadership and all those things. So I will also have that included in the notes for the podcast listeners as well. Um, hey, Chad, thank you for agreeing to do the simulcast. Uh, this was this was good. It was fun. It was good. We, we got to do it again, man, because I think we've got more to talk about. Um, so we'll 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 do it again. We start off too serious, man. We got to got to lighten it up next time. If, but. if they knew if they knew the real us and how we actually banter back and forth. That, yeah. That's where the show's at. That's, that's the we, real show. <laughs> we got to We got to capture that. All right. We got to capture that. We'll work on it. We'll work. We'll on do it. it. All right, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. We will see you next time. Thanks, folks. See you. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Original Strength Podcast. If you made it this far, thank you so much.